I am Doug Friedman. And I am Meredith Levy. And this is your Mental Breakdown. The podcast starring us. And your sister's two dogs. And the dogs. <laughs> you may hear them throughout this episode. They're adorable. That's right. That's right. They're mostly adorable. Yeah. Not the most well-trained. <laughs> Not my fault. No. No. They're good kids. They're good kids. They are. You know, you know what's you know what's adorable? What? You're adorable. No, oh, you are too, Dougie. Oh, that's good. I was just fishing for the compliment. Fair I enough. Really mean mine. I said fair, that. fair. Yeah. You know what I was thinking about, and, and this is true. This isn't a segue. This is I was actually thinking about this. What? I love my job. Like I really like what we do and how we do it. Well, I can't speak for you. What I do and how I do it. Thinking about this session, and I'll get to this in a second. But let's talk about us for a yeah. second. I was just thinking about work and I've worked so many jobs that were just like soul sucking. Right. And, you know, nine to five. Actually, I don't know that I've ever had a nine to five. It's more like eight to seven, you know, and it, it was just a lot of jobs, a lot of bureaucracy. Can't stand it. Hated it. And I'm my own boss now. It's pretty cool. I mean, I'm the biggest advocate of doing what you love every day for the rest of your life. What a difference that can make in somebody's life. I absolutely love, love my work, love my job. Doesn't mean there aren't times where I'm tired or a little burnt, but for the most part, I fucking love what I do. And I'm very grateful for that. And yeah, don't get me wrong. There are times when it is very challenging to do what we do. Like when you get into the weeds and depending on what your client is going through, if you work the way we do, you kind of join with your clients. You take a lot of that on. So part of our work after our work is to detach from that so we don't take it home with us. Right. Right. Yeah. I was speaking to a client's uh -oh. dad yesterday and um, I don't know. He was like, we hadn't spoken before and he was a little um, challenging me a bit, you know, about how mm. things should be and how they are and said something right. like, look, I'm sure you're good at what you do. And I was like, I'm actually amazing at what I do. <laughs> nice. and, he, and I said, nice. and I don't say that flippantly. And I don't say that about many things, but I will say that about sure. this. And he was like, all right. I like that. I do too. Yeah. That, that's been a trip for me too. Cause when I say like, yeah, I'm pretty good at what I do. Like what I do is out there for people to hear. Yeah. And it's true. Not a lot of jobs exist where people can see and hear what you do while you're doing it totally you know sometimes they'll see the finished product of what you do right but they don't really see you working and that's just some jobs there are a lot of jobs like where you're actually doing manual labor where you're actually working right, and people right. are watching you do that for sure i think similarly like teaching there are a lot of teachers that are really good at what they do and unless you're in their classroom observing them you never really know how they teach, how they do. Yeah. The interesting part about this, now that you're saying that is unless you are one person at a time, for the most part, you know, somebody can be a lawyer and you can go watch them in court. Somebody can be a doctor and you can have a bunch of students watching you or other surgeons and nurses sure. do surgery. But I'm thinking about us and it's like, not really. There is never going to be an right. actual session right. between, well, I've never seen between two people between a therapist and a client, an actual client, where someone's just sitting in watching. Which is essentially what you guys get to I do I know, with which this. is amazing. Right. And a lot of that doesn't exist. 
in the real world also like a surgeon. If you're like, yeah, you can observe a surgery. That's just one aspect of their job. Right. You know, a, a lot of you guys hearing this and listening to how I work with a client, cool, but you're not seeing how I do my notes, how I do my billing, right. how I arrange my schedule, right. how I bring in new clients, how I refer other clients out. There's aspects of every job that's like that for sure. Part of why this is on my mind is a, a lot of this episode got cut. Like we just cut it out because it was Drew talking about his job uh -huh. and he's been building up to this and you'll hear it, but that feeling bored at his current job was such a big thing. Even though he might feel the mastery at it, he said even he worked very hard to see the good in his job. And right now it's pretty much a retail job. And he says, yeah, helping people and and being creative with finding like the stuff that they really want, hooking them up. Like, I love that. I love interacting with people and I love doing that. But he's not creating a brand. Right. He's not doing his own thing. Right. And he's feeling it. And it's whatever excitement there was initially has worn off. Look, when I worked in the music business, it was awesome. Like in the 90s, I worked with so many bands that I freaking loved. And to be able to do that and like hang out on the stage, on the side of the stage while they're playing these shows to tens of thousands of people. Awesome. Right. Awesome. But after a while, the excitement wears off and it's just like going to work. Yeah, it's just a job. And I'm not going to be a rock star. I'm not the one on stage performing. At best, I'm going completely unnoticed in management, you know, because the show goes off smooth. It's bizarre. It's sort of like if you're good at your job, you're completely unnoticed and unacknowledged. Right. Yeah. Weird. Very true. And so many that right. that goes for so many people that are behind the scenes, but the behind the scenes make everything work. I think a lot of what Drew was kind of going through in the last, I don't know, he, he talked about it a little bit his last week. He talked about it this week. Again, a lot of what we cut was him just going off on his manager and going off on certain things and feeling certain things. He's building towards something and he'll get there. He'll get there. But it's something that I think we all go through to a degree of feeling excited by your job, then feeling pretty good at your job, then being bored and or complacent at your job. No matter how much you love your job, there is some form of that for everybody at some point. Side note, what I started saying with all this is I love my job. Right. I don't feel that in this job. Right. I don't. Right. Right. Yeah. I do. I do with the podcast. I get really bored talking. If it weren't for the podcast, I would never talk to you. I can't stand talking to you. Duh. You know, I'm kidding, right? Meh. Yeah. <laughs> Meh. yeah. Well, let's we should hear Drew talk about his job. We'll hear a little bit and then we'll come down, come down. Then we'll come back and break it on down. OK, let's do it. All right. OK. Bye. Bye. I've been pretty good. Pretty good. I uh, moved out of my spot. So that's all done. Working on a lot. I got a new manager at work and I, I've been into that too. Cause it's mm -hmm. a bunch of bullshit. Wow. Um, and yeah, no, I can't complain though. You know, everything's good. Sure you can. And if you're going to complain yeah. anywhere, it's right here. <laughs> yeah that's fair that's fair unload unload man stuff can be pretty good and still there's room to complain i have a meeting with her today i don't really stress out about what we're going to talk about whereas mm. if this was a fashion meeting 
I'd want to prepare for it and like figure some stuff out and do some background and kind of like go into it a little more prepared. I don't think I'm better than people there, but I feel like I have done a lot more in the last couple of years, in which case I think that gives me a little more, um, not reputation. What's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like backing, like, um, like I'm not a Wikipedia link. I'm more of like a CNN. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you got a little more credibility. I, you've had a little more experience, a little more knowledge. You're older, yeah. wiser, and a little yeah. less good looking, but you know, that's cool. <laughs> and it's sort of like new manager comes along. You're like, what are you doing? I got this. I'm doing good. And I don't know if it's, she's trying to, you know, exert her authority or take away some of your autonomy. Um, it's about power and control often. Um, and it might have nothing to do with you. This doesn't really stress me out. It's just annoyance. It's way different than other stresses in my life. You said, I'm not stressing meeting with her. No. Like whatever. We'll sit there. Like that's, <laughs> Dude, that's the epitome of green beret when you have mastery of something like you you got this you know what you're doing a lot of anxiety comes when we don't have mastery we don't know what we're doing you know and, and we don't have support we don't read instructions we don't know it's it's, it's unknown unfamiliar right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you working there you have mastery mm -hmm. so talking about work you're like yeah no problem i got this right it's easier to be that green beret when you have that. What we're going for is having mastery of yourself as a human being, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think you're actually moving towards that too. Mm -hmm. Well, and to, to kind of flip into what that is too. Yesterday, my mom was going to the airport while my dad was on his bike coming down here. I think now that my mom wasn't able to come down and, and I knew that that was its home, a whole other situation now. I just wanted to be present with my dad while he was here. I think my anxiety was more so just wanting to see him and be there and enjoy what that is. Uh, cause I don't get it very often just because like, I missed him, you know, and I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I just, I don't know where the anxiety, like I, I'm trying to rack my brain and it, and it might be, you know, like job and taking a couple of steps back, but I mean, we talked about it and it felt really good to kind of explain where I was at and what I was doing and, and, right, uh, right. and to see his, him still be proud of it, I think was cool mm -hmm. because, um, I, like we talked about, you know, I'm really doing this for myself now, like by myself doing it like on my own. And I think we kind of had that conversation yesterday too, which was nice. Um, that we just haven't beforehand, you know, I mean, he still doesn't mm. know about my really fucked up car situation and how much money I owe to them and all that, you know what I mean? And so we talked about that last night. I was like, yeah, man, this car really fucked me, but I don't like, if I needed help, I'd tell you, like, I got it. I'm okay. It just sucks. And he was like, yeah, that does suck. It's a life lesson. And I was like, yeah, it is, you know? And so like, we kind of had that conversation. Um, and it wasn't like, damn, I'm disappointed in you. Why would you do this again? You know, this isn't my first time making a bad car decision. Um, <laughs> or your last. Um, or my last, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't disappointed in you. Were, yep. were you disappointed in you? Yeah. Hell yeah, I'm disappointed really? yeah. in me for, for this car situation. This shit sucks.
Now we're getting closer to the heart of this. I have this sense of mastery at work and I feel good there so I can go into a meeting, no problem. We're taking on kind of what you were going into seeing your dad. Mm -hmm. Once you were there, as you said, like it was fine. We were going, it was, it was the buildup, right? You are more independent now than you've ever been right. with parents, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm making decisions on my own. And now I'm going to dad who's just dad, but he is also the figure that for you represents judgment of my decisions. Right, right. Right? Like the juror. Yeah, exactly. So now I'm almost going to see him and unconsciously, maybe even consciously, feeling like I'm going to be on trial. Mm -hmm. He's not putting me on trial. He's like you said, juror. Right. He's not the judge. He's just the juror. But mm -hmm. you're going in thinking mm -hmm. I need to prove myself. I need to justify. I need to come clean with this. I need, I, and I don't know how it's going to go. Could go either way. <laughs> so we don't know what to expect. And that's where the anxiety comes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a very subconscious thing for me to go into it like that. And I think you're exactly right, though. I think it's a pride thing on my own behalf. You know, it's my own ego. It's my own wanting that to flourish. You know, I, I mean, I I also compare myself a lot to my brother. He just bought a house. He's got his wife. He's got a dog. He's got a full job and then some. And then um, and he's killing it. Like he's doing a fucking amazing job in what he's doing. And I think it's super. Like it's cool that I'm related to him. Like he's teaching right. Top Gun now. And so it's like growing up, like I watched Top Gun, you know, and like that was one of my favorite movies. And like now to like picture him as Tom Cruise and like doing that thing. And like, that's just fucking, it's cool. You know, he's still doing some cool shit. And, uh, and, and I see a lot of purpose in what he's doing. And I think it's really cool, um, to see him build a life on his own and do his own thing. I think, uh, I'm still very reliant on, the emotional ties of what my family has been and what it is and wanting it to yeah. be and, and all of yeah. that. I stay caught up in my family's emotional, whatever that is. And he cut that when we were like 14, he never really like stopped to like, damn, I feel really bad. I should apologize. I should do this. You know, like I don't, I don't really see him doing that route. Pause for a second. Yeah. Maybe. You don't see him doing that. He might do his right. version of that. What might be kind of cool is just kind of going, hey, hey, bro, how, how do you do that? Like, how do you have those boundaries? How are you okay with that? And it might be like he goes, no, I, I've got my life. She's got hers, whatever, you know, or it might be like, well, I'm not that okay with it. Like, I, I take some of it home. I have, I don't have one Bloody Mary. I have th four, five, six, right. like, and it's rough. And, and, you know, and that's why I go up in the air as much as I can, you know, I mean, who knows? Right. Who knows what it is? Right. What the comparison for you is you see him a certain way. Mm -hmm. And what you see in him is something that maybe you don't do enough of or you lack or you're not as as comfortable with and, and you know, you don't have as much experience doing. You judging you for not, in a sense, being enough like my brother, for for not being the ultimate me that I want to be. That's got less to do with them and more to do with you like that's why we can talk about this and we can work on that and that might get easier in time because we don't take as much of it on and learning from your brother like hey how did you not take it on right it's not like you need his blueprint right <laughs> yeah. it's it's just seeing that somebody cannot take it on and that's okay that's cool 
And I kind of had the epiphany. I guess I released the fact that I wanted to change who and how everything is kind of um, happened and happening in my family. I watched this video the other day and this guy was basically talking about their parents and saying, Mm -hmm. hey, how, how much time do you think they have left, right? And he was like, oh, he's probably got at least five more years, you know, like at least. And then the guy was like, well, how many times do you see your parents a year? And he was like, oh, probably like two to three. And he was like, cool. So so you're probably going to see your parents 10 more times. And he was like, oh, you know, and kind of like it like it all changed once he said it like that. Yeah. Because like yeah. you think you have all this time, but like time is so irrelevant versus the amount of times you see people and i think as i get older and as like my emotions i don't want to say they calm down but i understand them maybe a little bit more i'm very conscious of time and i'm very aware of what that is and i think that's why i get i think all of that's just me wanting wanting more time with them in a in a little true type of way yeah that, that, that's actually kind of beautiful about time. Big part of that is how we spend our time because we can't stop time. We can't go back in time. We can't even speed up time. Time just happens whether we want it to or not. But how we spend it shifts our perception of time. I'm hearing what you're saying and I'm thinking like, yeah, it's, it's not about preserving the time that they have. It's about, you know, the quality of time that you do get to spend with them. I want to make the time that I have really, you know, I'd say meaningful, but maybe just present. Yeah. Finding that balance of really enjoying your time and not trying to preserve it so much, Mm -hmm. you know, like I don't know how many times you get together with your parents and either one of you might say like, Oh, I wish we could do more of this. Like, Oh yeah. Every time. Right. Every time. Right. And it's what we're doing it now. Yeah, and I think both things are true. I just need to let go so that I can start appreciating, to your point, of the present and the time that's happening right now, right here in front of me. Being present is not an easy thing to maintain. Course correcting as we go is what it's all about. It's allowing you to experience whatever you're experiencing and Mm -hmm. what you can control, you will. What you can't, you'll just notice. I feel more prepared walking into these next four months than I think I ever have been. The guilt aspect of not seeing my mom for a really long time is very apparent in me right now. And I'm interested to see how I act on what that feels like. And so I think that's what I mean by I feel more prepared than I ever have is I've had, I now, I have a support system around me that I've never mm. had before. You know, it's genuine and they care about me and, and they want me to, they want me to be happy and succeed and, and enjoy life. That's about you enjoying life, not making sure everybody else enjoys life. Cause if they all enjoy life, then my life's enjoyable. Yeah. Oh. And it's also not them seeing me enjoy life. So then that'll make them enjoy life too. That's what I'm doing right now. And we're back. We are back. Hello. Hello. It's been so long. <laughs> not that long. This was a quick one. <gasps> Quick one, but chock full of some things we wanted to hit. So the work stuff, it was nice to hear, Drew, and I like how you phrased it about the mastery 
saying that he has a meeting with his manager. I know he said he's not stressed about the meeting, which is awesome. I didn't know he said it's just annoying. I wasn't sure if he said the new manager's annoying or if he's getting called in because he did something wrong or if it's just, hey, we have a new manager, we're meeting. It's more that it's just getting in line with everybody. And, you know, I, I think the thing is with some situations, when you have that sense of mastery, you feel like you've outgrown yeah, something. for sure. And I think he's starting to feel like, yeah, I, yeah, I'm not stressing about this meeting because I, I have no skin in this game. I don't really care. Yep. You know, yep. it's not really what I want to do with my life. So I'm fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I was just thinking about <laughs> oh. when you and I used to work together in the community yep. mental health. Community mental health. Yep. And look, there's going to be times where the person, our quote unquote boss or someone leading us or whatever is going to be, they're going to be more effective or less effective. And, you know, neither you oh, nor I, less, less effective. You, neither you nor I were, were that, that we weren't very interested in being in meetings where it was like office space, like someone's birthday and having a cake. And like, well, you know, you know, you and I were more like, we'd rather just be like working right now instead of sitting in meetings right. where we right. feel like, we are literally like eyes glazed over. Um, oh, man. <laughs> I actually learned so much from Nameless Person as our manager yeah. about how to be a manager and supervise others. How to not be. Yeah. How, right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Sitting in those meetings was like mind numbing. And it was, and so much of it just didn't apply it to did us. It did not like, matter. Yeah. 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 Fine. Let me get back out there. Right. Cause exactly. Not, nothing that you're talking about is useful for what I do. <laughs> yeah, totally. I was just thinking about that. And, and I feel that with, he's reached a point where he's like, I could probably do this with my eyes closed. Like, I don't need you to tell me right. how to put the tag on the fucking whatever, you know, or, um, <laughs> But, right. but yeah, totally. sometimes, and you just do it and we just did it and that's all there is to it. And then you move on. And he was fine with that. Then interesting. Cause we were talking about the work stuff, but then he gets into the stuff with his parents. Yeah. And that to me was a lot more interesting. Was his, is his dad in town or was he there? I wasn't sure exactly. Yeah. I think his mom couldn't come right. down this time. They were both going to come down. So his mom couldn't, but his dad did. did. Okay. That, that was the one for him where his dad you know, I said it like it still represents judgment, but it's the judgment he's holding for himself. He's just seeing it as dad. Yeah. That's something you know? about a, there was a car situation. I assumed it was kind of about like maybe him getting in <laughs> over his head a little yeah. bit. Yeah, that's exactly right. right. I mean, <laughs> you remember your twenties. Oh my God. Uh, you were responsible. Right? I do think. You? Do you? Yeah. Me? I once paid cash for a car for like a, a, a turbo like it was all black and tinted and it was like, cool, I got a sporty little car and I paid cash for it. And like, I got it. Awesome. I outbid everybody and I'm getting it. And then it like needed work immediately and I had no recourse because I paid cash okay. from somebody independently. Like that was stupid. Okay. That was dumb. And I think Drew's kind of experiencing a version of yeah. that. He did not pay cash for a car that put him out, but he did overextend himself on a car and was like, I can, I can make ends meet. I can manage. I could do it. And yeah, I'm in a little trouble. And the thing was, he wasn't telling his dad to bail him out. He was telling his dad as like, you know, a fellow adult, like, yo, check it out. Right. I made this yeah, mistake. Yeah, look what I did. I did this thing. Yeah. And his dad was like, yeah, yeah, right. that's not great, but okay. His dad didn't seem to be coming to the rescue either, which was cool. Right. It's more like, yeah, that happens. Yeah. Happened you did to that. me too. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
for me as the therapist, I'm hearing the part where he's going, oh, that's cool that he's talking to his dad like a fellow adult, not like a child. Right. And it's different than when he was talking about, like, I want to do this brand or I want to go into business with my dad. Right. He's not looking at that yeah. anymore. Yeah. He's doing his own thing. And then, you know, him saying, like, <laughs> I was like, something about the car, like, are you disappointed? He goes, yeah, I'm disappointed in myself. <laughs> yeah, that was dumb. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's still judging himself. Fine. We all do that. Well, and like sort of an appropriate judgment there. Right. And you learn from that, but not like, uh-oh, my dad is going to judge me because I've done something wrong. Right. I feel bad. Like he's, he's growing out of that to a degree. Right. Right. <sighs> Although he did in the same respect, hit that thing about, oh God, this kind of hit me hard. You couldn't tell in the session. But when he described, uh, he saw a video, oh, right, about, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, the person saying something like, yeah, yeah, how many years do you think your parents have left? Like, I don't know, like maybe uh, five or 10 years. Okay. How often do you see them? Like maybe once or twice a year. Okay. So you're probably going to see your, your parents like 10 more times. Yeah. Fuck that. Don't ever say that. I did not. I was like, what? <laughs> right. That's a horrible right. thing. To that, right. And that impacted him and it made sense. Yeah. It was... Oh God, it is rough. And then, and it, it, it led me to looking at, it's not necessarily how many times you're going to see them. It's what you're going to do with that time. Right. And you brought that up and he was saying he's actually conscious of time and you were talking about totally. the quality of the time. Okay. I'm going, I'm going deep cut here. I could be wrong, but I believe there was a movie in the nineties. I want to say it was Matthew Broderick playing Richard Feynman, the physicist theoretical physicist, Richard Feynman. If you don't know who he is, look him up or go watch an episode of The Big Bang Theory. I'm sure they talk about him. Um, <laughs> but I, I, and I could be totally wrong. It might not have been this movie and nobody's going to remember the movie but me. But in it, he's playing this, this guy who's really smart and he's talking about our perceptions of time and how time seems to move differently relative to what we're doing and how our movement is. And he demonstrated it by something like counting to 10 while jumping rope and then while at a standstill. Okay. And even though if you time it, 10 seconds is always going to be 10 seconds, right? right? But your perception of the time when you're jumping rope- Oh God, 10 seconds is an hour. standing still. <laughs> right. Well, for Second, you. 10 seconds feels so right. long jumping rope. Right. But if you're, well, yeah, maybe, I don't know. That's interesting because I was thinking- if you're playing a sport or running around or doing something or very active, doing something you love, 10 seconds goes by so totally. fast. Totally. I don't love jumping rope at all. Right? It is torture. <laughs> right. I did this once at, at one of my jobs. I kind of gave everybody a, a two-minute challenge saying, if you can jump rope for two minutes straight, I'll give you $100. And nobody could do it. Duh. Nobody. Because <laughs> jumping rope for two straight minutes is a lot. But if you think of like two minutes, it's, that's not even an entire Beyonce song. Totally. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Why did I go with Beyonce? I don't know. That was weird. Rihanna? No. We go with Rihanna. No. But yeah, no, so true. Time is so relative and that's fucking deep. It is about how we spend our time, you know? And he said it in different episodes, different sessions with me too, where he'll say, yeah, I could be gone tomorrow. You know, I, I don't know how much time we have. And that's where, again, the quote I love from him if I'm living life right, then my days turn into weeks, turn into months, turn into years. And it's awesome. Right. It's not that like if <laughs> if you're working that job that you can't stand with that manager in these meetings where you're staring at the clock, then days becomes weeks, becomes 
months becomes years in the same way, like one second to the next second, you could see the clock almost moving backwards. Right. It's brutal. Totally. Groundhog Day. Bleh. Right. Although I love that. I movie, know. So I just have to do one little on one little part uh, in here where he mentioned that his brother is a Top Gun teacher. I mean, doesn't really <laughs> get any better than that. Like, we don't have to talk about right. it more, but just right. That. Right. Did you see the new Top Gun movie? Uh, yeah. Do you know? I, I think it got nominated for an Academy Award or something. I don't know, but I don't best picture? blame it. It was but- fucking amazing. Was it though? Yes. Was it amazing because it was an amazing movie? Or was it amazing because you remember the first one so fondly? Mm, both. But I even the people who never saw the first one, like the younger generations, it was not only right. like was the flying, re- a lot of the flying was real, a lot of like the, just the cinematography, the, t- it was just fucking awesome. I think. Sure. Okay. Yeah. But best picture Oscar nomination. Did it actually? Yeah. I think it got best picture, like best writing. Um, then best effects and best like edit and I don't know, people who are in this world are probably going to be really mad at me because I don't remember. Is it already, did it already uh, happen? Did it win or just nomination? I think just nomination. Okay. I don't think they really happened, but it was, I saw the movie. I liked the movie, but I liked it because I remember the first Top Gun. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, what do I know? Who knows what, what you know? I, know? I don't know. You know what I do know? I know we will be back next week, not with Drew, but with Sarah. But in two weeks, you'll get to hear more, Drew. And what else can we tell people, Meredith? We're awesome. (laughs) You are darn good at what you do. And God, what was that Saturday Night Live thing? And and damn it, people like you. I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. That's right. Stuart Smalley. (laughs) Yes. Amazing. (laughs) Absolutely. So- Everybody out there, say your affirmations. Feel good about yourself. And we will see you. Keep your feet on the ground. Keep reaching for the stars. Oh, my. And all those (laughs) platitudes. A lot. And bye-bye. Bye.